Welcome to the Defiant Spirit, a podcast about discovering meaning, purpose, and resilience in the most challenging, difficult, and darkest moments of our lives through what my teacher and mentor, Dr. Viktor Frankl, called the defiant power of the human spirit, that spirit that is within you, that spirit that is calling to you, that spirit that is you. I'm Dr. Baruch Halevi, and this is the Defiant Spirit, and now, on to our podcast. Welcome back to the Defiant Spirit and Wealth 360, where I get to partner up with my good friend, Michael Feiner. What's happening, Nick? Just uh, enjoying the lovely weather in Naples, Florida, as we work work from Naples for the next couple of weeks. Although with that background, it does look like you're up in uh, Marblehead with the lighthouse. I don't know. I know. I do have the lighthouse. And while this, I have this great virtual background, which I look like, you know, E.T., um, but at least you can't see my pile of, um, you know, my pile of paper. Now that's not a background from actually the Marblehead neck, uh, my old stomping ground. Cause I remember the lighthouse didn't work there. It didn't work. And if you remember the lighthouse actually had three beams. So I, that was the, uh, that was the inspiration for it was the Marblehead lighthouse, but I had to get, you know, my own little lighthouse for, for this thing. So for all of our viewers and listeners, Michael and I go back about 20 years when I was the rabbi in uh, Swampscott, Massachusetts, where Michael lives and his office is in Salem. And we've been friends ever since. And for the past, I don't know, a few years, we've been partnering on different things. And now we are all things Enneagram. It's pretty exciting. We just finished our uh, complete journey around the Enneagram, all nine types together. Yeah, it was quite, you know, quite a journey. I learned a lot while we were while we were while we were doing it. And this is now fascinating that we get to do something a little bit different. Yeah, we're going to mix it up and journey into more of a theme of the Enneagram as opposed to, you know, looking at each number uh, individually. Well, I think maybe we'll have time for that, but we're going to focus on today what I call your core calling. And one of the reasons why is because when whenever Michael and I talk about our shared clients, we we work together with clients, both me and Enneagram and Logotherapy, helping them find meaning. And of course, Michael with his financial expertise. And one of the things our overlaps is this idea of like, what's the motivation? What's the driver of somebody in their life? Not just what somebody's doing on the surface, whether it's their money or their relationships or whatever we're helping guide them, but what's underneath the surface, or as we're going to call it, and as my teacher and mentor, Victor Frankel, called it, the why. So your core calling is really your core why. What motivates you in life? What are your thoughts on that, Mick? Well, like you said, when we started this journey more than a year ago, that was the um, our main emphasis of trying to let people know that they have to start with their why. And if they find their why, the journey becomes a lot better, sort of the North Pole. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for me, I thought about it a lot over time and you've helped guide me through it. And my why is basically trying to help people meet their goals, at least from a business perspective, is for people to, to meet their goals and to self-actualize to the extent that they can from a business perspective. So it isn't just about the mechanics of the money. It's meeting the overall health goals, 
mentally, physically, in every other way, you know, in their lives. Um, so Victor Frankel had a statement, quote, you know, paraphrasing Nietzsche, but I think of it as Frankel's, and it's in his book, Man's Search for Meaning, and it's part and parcel how he got through the Holocaust. And I think it's brought a lot of people relief reading this line, but he or she who has a why can endure anyhow. And when you know your why, the rest of it becomes details. You'll find a way. But if you don't have a why, I don't care how much money you have in the bank. I don't care how much success you have on the resume. If you don't have a why, if you don't know your why, if you're not living your why, you're in some some dark territory, some dangerous waters in my experience. And so I think both of us really are committed to helping people find and live their why. It, it, I think it's, it's definitely the most important thing that you can do because you can get caught in the weeds or the trees for the forest if you don't have your why. And it helps focus. And as we discussed before, you need to have the end state of, of where you're going. And if it's not meaningful, once you get there, whether it's earn more money or even if it's specific, you're not going to have any more satisfaction. And that's really the issue. A lack right. of satisfaction, at least financially. Right, because it's a never ending accumulation of whatever you want to accumulate. And it's like you're trying to scratch an itch that you just can't scratch it because it's not your why. Your why was never to have more money. It was to you know, what the money could bring you. We've had this conversation many times. If you don't know why, you're just going to keep going after more or, or more relationships or more fill in the blank. And more is just more. It, it isn't meaningful. So helping people really get clear about, well, what is it that you want? And then going under, you know, a lot of people, understandably, we're busy. We don't necessarily know. Part of my work, and I see it with you too, is, okay, and, and what's underneath that? And what's underneath that? Let's get down. Let's drill down to the foundation, the bedrock. Because a lot of times people will say, oh, my why is so my family will have financial independence and freedom. Okay, but to do what? Like to, to be independent for free to do what? Well, I want them to. And then you just keep going layer and layer and layer. And my experience is you get to the bedrock with everybody eventually if you do this work. It is the bedrock, but you know how hard it is to get to bedrock? Digging <laughs> down in the earth. And that's, that's the hard part. If it were easy, everyone would be doing it. But I think you've hit, you, you, you have hit gold or you struck gold when, when you're dealing with it. We shouldn't underestimate how hard it is to find your why because it does. It's not as simple as a. It's not a goal. A why isn't a goal. In in a sense, it's it's the ultimate journey, the ultimate peak in climbing Mount Everest. That's right, and it's yours and yours alone. Like you can't even if you have a similar why to somebody else, it's going to be nuanced. It's going to be different. You can't like borrow this one from a book. You can't borrow this from somebody else. You you know, Frankel said. We don't make meaning. We each have our respective meaning that we're here to dig for, to go into that bedrock and find. And that's our life. You know, Mike, you're right. That's that's our life's work, but it's that's the work. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated how, you know, he has these insights well before, you know, MRIs and the technology to kind of study the human brain neurologically to see how that works because I'm, I've actually been reading a book called Dopamine Nation. And the bottom line, you know, all these neurochemicals that are in our bodies that help us reach goals. And that's why it's important as, as I help people through the financial planning process that 
you know, reaching a goal, you get a little bit of a dopamine high or endorphins or whatever your chemical is. But if you find your why, it really balances out, I think, your, your state neurologically and otherwise because making more money is a little dopamine hit or it's a it's just an adrenaline hit, whatever it does for you. And that's not satisfying. And that is not going to um, you probably get you to where you need to be. So you, you do need something much more overarching. So there's a tale. I don't know if it's true, even though I grew up in Nebraska, but back in the the old country of Nebraska, back in the winters of the 1800s before I was born. This is where um, like Yellowstone is, like Nebraska <laughs> over there. You're near, you're near you, Yellowstone. You sound like a typical East Coast pe- person. People yeah, would say to me, Are you near Yellowstone? Is that? I'd say, you know, I was, I was born and raised in Nebraska. I was a rabbi in Iowa. They say, Oh, Iowa. Yeah. You guys are the ones with the potatoes. I'm like, yeah, that's yeah. Idaho. That's, you know, good, good try. Close. East, East Close. coast, East coast. Um, you know, by the way, we're the flyover States to you in the West coast and we like to keep it that way. So you guys can stay on the coast. We, we'll keep the middle to ourselves. Um, but, but back in the day, back in the day, farmers, um, there would, you know, be serious blizzards, whiteouts, and they would be known to die just a few feet away from their house, it was so severe. And so they would tie a rope onto their, you know, their body. If they had to leave in a whiteout to go out to the barn or whatever, because that line was, was their anchor. And to me, that's the why. And, and we need, hmm. we need the why in the whiteouts, not, not the peaks in the, you know, the, the good times we need them in the bad times. And this was brought home to me. I was telling you before we got on, I've been listening to, um, a new documentary, I think it's new. It's on HBO Max about um, Warren Buffett. I think it's called Being Warren Buffett or something, Becoming Warren Buffett. And um, also another Omaha boy. And Warren Buffett um, talked about that time, and you can maybe elucidate um, this a little better than I can, when he saved, basically he saved Solomon Brothers. He actually saved, oh, yeah. I think, That's Wall right. Street. Do you remember, you remember this? Golden Sachs. Was it Goldman Sachs? Maybe, no, I think it was right, both. It was both. Yeah, I think he became the chairman of Salt and one crisis, and then another crisis. It was Goldman Sachs. So he had just taken over, you know, acquired I think Solomon Brothers or a major, you know, stake in Solomon Brothers, and then right after that, not you know, nothing of his doing, they were busted for trading something improperly, and it was a big deal to the point where he was called in front of Congress and he had to testify, and they were going to shut it down. And he took responsibility, even though it wasn't his. And he gave them his word, his bond. And it, you know, it was just a massive moment, I think, in his life. And then I think the ripple effects would have been devastating if Solomon Brothers went under. They talked about how the dominoes would start falling. But the bottom line was you could just feel this man had his why. And he didn't care about the money. He didn't care about the the ding to his reputation. What he cared about was responsibility. And that's when we need those whys. It was just so inspiring to, to watch that. It really is. If you listen to Warren Buffett, and obviously he's been around for 60 years giving commentary, he does seem like a lighthouse or an anchor. The message is not changed. How he invests, what he thinks about, what the purpose of it is. It's not about the money at all, Right. He cares about his his people. He cares about the companies. He cares about the products. And he has a focus and an approach that's steadfast. 
Right. And and that's one of the things he said all throughout the documentary was you must, he didn't say the words, but that's exactly what he said. You must find your why and you must hold tight to your why. When the circumstances you know are changing and there's storms around you, that's when you just keep on your path. You don't follow the newest technology or whatever it is. And I think we've, you know, we've lost some of, and you're the expert of this ancient wisdom. I think this has been around for a long, long time. And you've commented on this many times before. We're so short-sighted in society today that it's hard to find not only long-term goals or why. We don't reflect enough and we're so distracted with everything that it's tougher to spend time, even carve the time out to think about these things. It's, and that's it's important in investing, right? Um, you know, that's where I think our worlds are married beautifully because this ancient wisdom tradition brought to this modern application of investing is really a match made in heaven. And if you don't have it, I've seen it. I've seen it with investors. You, you become jumpy. You jump, right? Day trading kind of mentality. You know, you're not in it for the long haul. No, it's, you know, last year was cryptocurrency. I, and not that it was a bad thing, but jumping on it because it was... A hot thing. Yeah. And, and now people who did that maybe overdid it. It's okay to do a little bit of it. But when they overdid it, it's like, why did we overdo it? Well, you might not have had the right why, the right focus, the right strategy. And you veered off when times got, on the other hand, not stormy. In fact, they didn't look stormy at all. That's yeah. kind of the worst time, the opposite. Yeah. Things look so good that you can't anticipate a storm. So, so you're right. You must hold to your why in the good times and the bad times, right? And that's, um, you know, the peaks can't be so high and the valleys can't be so low when you have that sort of keel, that common, you know, pulse of the of the why. Come back to that. And and the challenge is, as you've said before, like, like that's easier said than done. So how do I find my why, right? I can hear somebody saying into the into the speaker right now, B, Mick, great, great ideas. Tell me how I find my why. And that's when I turn to, you know, the Enneagram is, there are many traditions. Enneagram is ancient. And one of the reasons why I think it's withstood the test of time is because Myers-Briggs and DISC and Strength Finders and all these great tests, I have nothing against them, but they mostly deal with the what do I do? How do I do it? I don't really think they dig into, I haven't found, they dig into the why, whereas the Enneagram happens to deal in what I do and how I do it. But it's really built around What's your why? And so that's where I think we can really um, dig in here a little bit. Let me just share the. So Mick in his spare time put together this beautiful uh, <laughs> Enneagram. Yeah, picture. I mean, these and eight. I don't know. Liber this, let's see. Salvation, salvation. I will defend disruption. So he, he puts these slides together at three in the morning. Just you give him. You have to be careful what you say to them because there'll be a 10-page slide deck or book. It, it's amazing. I just came up with this and just casually texted it. I'm like, wow. Wow. It's, it's, it's true, but disruption is not always good. My wife was like, you're disrupting my sleep. Get out of bed. Go make that stupid right. slide already, right? So, um, But these, these nine Enneagram types, and we have all of them within us. So, you know, as we're going to go around and we'll talk about each one, you don't always ha have to look at just one. Like it's not like you have to pick. Oh, that's mine. Oh, but we do rank order them. And I would say you have one defining or core type, 
all of these are within you and you have access to them. And some of them you don't have access to. And we need to develop that. The Enneagram gets into the why. And, and I call it your core calling in my system to fire number, but we can just call it your core why as well. So let's go through. We'll start with one as we usually do. And we'll just walk around the Enneagram and we can, Michael is now uh, my partner in all things Enneagram. So he'll be able to chime in now and we'll talk through the why, the nine whys. So let's start with one. I call this one integration um, and, and a deepest level of integration because, you know, sometimes the word doesn't explain what it is, but integrity. When you think of integrity, sometimes we think of like truth telling, but integrity comes from the word integral, whole. And so what I find with ones, the reformer, the perfectionist, is they want things to be whole or complete. They have a very hard time when things are imperfect. So their drive is to integrate, is to make whole, is to make perfect. And this is just like, it's hard to describe, but if you're a one and you're listening, you know what I'm talking about. You go into a room, you go into a situation, and you just naturally see the imperfections. And like, there's this core calling within you that says, perfect it. Any Anything you want to elucidate that uh, one with? No, you know, one's the ultimate, uh, I think, to-do list person. And like you said, wants everything um, in equilibrium, wants everything complete, finished, done, wants the world to look a certain way. They, I think they have a, their wise, they know what they want the world to look like. The, the traditionalists in many ways, I, I think. I think so too. I think they. I think they're right. I think that they're. They have a vision that the rest of us don't naturally have of a perfect kind of a union, right? I mean, you have some ones in your life, and I know the one, at least one of the ones in your life, really has this image of perfection that she helps drive you towards. Yeah, and I think I'm pretty sure um, my my daughter took an enneagram. I think a, lot, a while ago when she was in. Um, finishing her PhD, I was talking to her about it. She said, dad, if and I know she has to take one, everyone's taking one with B except my daughter because she's at school. And she said she, she, she tested that she was a one, which makes sense to me. I wasn't sure if she was going to be uh, a one or a two with some three in her, but she said that when she took it a while back um, that she had tested that she was a one and and the reason I, it, it came up is that she was hounding me this weekend about something on her health insurance, mm -hmm. right? It's not due for like two months. Mm -hmm. And it, she just got the letter this weekend and I was in the middle of some things, but she couldn't stop, you know, until she finished getting that decision made and how she was going to deal with it. And I said, you know, that really is the one in you of wanting to have everything kind of in order done and, and and she views the world very traditionally yes they're conservative very by nature. Very um yeah yeah there's a right and a wrong way to do things you know i, I know lizzie and i knew her as a little girl she was this way as a little girl too the, even the way she approached her i don't remember that many bat mitzvahs i did but i do remember hers and um she was very serious right it was there's a responsibility that's the word i'm looking for with the one Right. No, it's, it, it is, it is amazing. You know, when, when you think about it and I know, obviously as my daughter is a good example, I know what she thinks 
about for the world and kind of know what motivates her, mm -hmm. how she thinks about things. And she, she has a certain order that she wants to do things in a certain order too, where I as a three and maybe you as an eight, I'm not looking things in certain order, but she, she has things in a certain order, a certain Maslow, I don't say Maslow's hierarchy of needs, but she looks at things in a certain progression as to her why and whatever her ultimate why is, there's a progression to it. Right. And threes and ones can look a lot alike and that they're both getting things done. But threes, the achiever like you, they don't care the order as long as it's the best way to get it done. And, and that's the pragmatism there with the three. Ones don't, they're not always pragmatic. Sometimes they're idealistic to their mm -hmm. detriment, right? Because the, the oh. world is messy. Money's messy. It doesn't go according to order always. Is that, that is so true. So, 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 you know, our blessing is our curse. So Lizzie, you're listening. Your blessing is this uh, drive for order, perfection, integration, whole. Yeah. And it's also our curse. It was. Yeah. She, she hit me today on my website. I, just for everyone to know, I've put up all of B's hard work, you know, like a good three, it looks like I did it, but he really did all the work. Right. And I have nine different, you know, summaries that B did. But it says, for example, for one, it says the reformer, or two, it says the helper. Mm -hmm. And my daughter said, Dad, you probably should put Enneagram one, the reformer, Enneagram two, the help. She, you know, she immediately looked at what was, you know, not in, in her world in order. And I said, yo, it's a good idea, which I'm going to do. But it didn't occur to me, you know, even though I've been doing this with you for a long time. But to her, like, Dad, I couldn't get to my one fast enough. I had to figure out which one was the one. So, you know, my work with the ones tends to be to, as we said in the previous podcast, but is to help them be less perfect, help them be worse. Right. Right. And and that's that's not easy for a one. But knowing that helps me with her why, because now I, I realize she's an idealist more than anything and helping me to understand because this is why this is so great. Mm -hmm. uh, as, she, as she's doing things, I realize and you've taught me, well, I don't I have to help her be less perfect, less stressed, less anxious over trying to get things done idealistically, which is, you know, not, not easy to do. And, and so ones put their attention on their circumstances, on their environment, on the things that need to be done. Twos have that same sort of idealism, but they put it on people, on relationships. It isn't to say ones don't do relationships. It isn't say, to say twos don't care about the details out in the world, but by and large, the, the why Right. And the why of a two as we move over is the helper, the nurturing yeah. person is all about I live for relationships. I will nurture, I will love, I will connect. Connection. Yeah. So you just found my mother. <laughs> your daughter and your mother. My mother's the two. Right. We caught and then, you know, she's the two. So now we have the one, the two, the three. We're we're getting around the circle here. So we'll hit them all. And, you know, your mom, the two, Mrs. Finer, we're um, delighted that you're listening. You're like one of our viewers. And so, you know, you represent twos, but there's a lot of nurturing, loving twos. We, we need these people. We need you. We need these people in our lives because they're the one who come bring us back to what it's all about, which is connection, connection, connection. Yeah, they, they, they really are. They almost seem like they're the easiest one to find their why. And I don't know if that's true, but they seem like they're, it's the, about, everything's about people and the relationships. And it's almost easier to identify that versus if you were to tell me an H-Y like you, 
I, I'd be absolutely no idea, right? It's probably <laughs> some, some mystery, but a two, it's like, okay, you want to help people and you just be good, you know. It's true. It's true. But that's also the curse. That's the challenge. Why? Because if you spend your whole life believing your why or driven by that why of relationship and connection, you can lose yourself. So, so many people I talk to are Enneagram twos who, you know, they come to like the empty nest when it's the next chapter and that why is really disrupted or the, or a marriage falls apart or, you know, whatever it might be, the relationship is dissolved or somebody dies that they're really shaken in ways that other types aren't. Yeah, that makes sense. A lot um, of sense. Warren Buffett talks about in this documentary about how he basically has zero two in him. I mean, he has uh, through the roof five, like this enlightenment intellectual piece, but he has almost no two. And he talks about it. His family talks about it. And so, you know, like sometimes we need opposites in our lives to help balance us out. So, so twos are wonderful, but they also need some of these other types to really show them a different type of a why. So that's the two. Going into the three. All right. You 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 talk about this one. Well, I guess because I'm a three, we get to talk about the why tends to be, you know, twos were futuristic. We're looking towards the future to uh, achieve and accomplish things. I think the hard part about being a three is trying to figure out what that is mm-hmm. in, in the deepest sense, not just surface accomplishments, which is what you've taught me in this past year plus, it's not just about looking like you're accomplishing things, or even if you're accomplishing things, if that's the end in itself, it's what's the purpose of trying to keep moving down the path of accomplishment. So good. Last night I was watching Monday night football. Tom Brady may have played his final game, right? But we don't know. We, we, we don't know, but he's a three, right? He's the ultimate three, right? He retired last year this time, and then he unretired, and now he won't commit to retiring because, right, he's, he needs to stop and remind himself his, of, about his why because threes will get into motion, and it's all, they're almost impossible to stop. Bernie Madoff, you know, these other examples, I mean, very different, but like the why just starts, he, you lose your why, and you just keep the momentum going, right. and then you wake up, and it's um, Lily, Lily Tomlin said, I climbed the ladder of success to realize it was leaning against the wrong wall. Wow, that's a, that's a great, great, great quote. I think you said Muhammad Ali is a three, right? I can't really tell. He's either a three or an eight. He's got the performance okay. value of a three, though. Yeah, but the reason I say that is that, you know, I think about I'm the greatest of all time, fire like a butterfly, sting like a bee. And I'm not sure that's should be the complete why. Right. That's almost a journey on the way to why. But a lot of the, the threes, whether it's Tom Brady wants to win. He wants to be the greatest of all time. That's why I bring it up. Right. And but he, but see, that's the thing. Goals. He already is. But he, want, he can't help himself to do more. Right. But that's when you have to know your why. And your why isn't to be the greatest of all time in football. It's to be the greatest of all time. Now it's time to redirect it to the why. a deep Because, again, the how is football right? That's the how. It has to be the how because football ends. But Tom Brady doesn't have to end. And this is the challenge with the three I see over and over. We've got to get you back to your why. And your wife is to be the greatest of all time. Now let's be the greatest governor of Massachusetts. He could easily be that. Whatever he wants to do, he can do. Redirect it, Tom. Redirect it. 
don't go back into football. President of the United States, at least, right? I, I wouldn't doubt it. Would not doubt right. it. But to your point on threes, um, you know, previously that sometimes if you're a CEO and you're a three or you're a professional athlete and you're a three and you lose your, your uh, not so much your job or you retire or that type of thing, you feel lost after that because you've lost your, your sense of achievement. It's, and it, I've seen that a lot in, in clients too, you know, for that reason. So once you get back to your why, though, the how changes. You're no longer the CEO and you're retired and you're down in Florida. But now let's get back to your why. And and then that's why I didn't put achieving because I, I think that's a little thin. I think it's really actualization to actualize, to, to take um, somebody's dream or even your dream and make it reality. This is the superpower of a three. You know, I was, I was in the, the tech world for a while in Israel and everybody's got a good idea everybody's got an idea for a startup, but very few can execute on the idea. This is the three superpower. Yeah, I, I agree a thousand percent. Actualize potential into performance. So threes, get back to that why. We need you to actualize. Fours, this one looks like the picture even. I live with this picture explosion of emotion and soul and depth and expression, right? So fours are all about express. And I put here, I will name, create, and express. I will name the unnameable experience. Like these are the artists who, oh, yeah. who try and touch on that place that none of us can name. I can, you know... I'm not even sure I want to mention this because you, you will do a slide and probably <laughs> 20 pages on this, but I can now tell when a four texts me versus when other people text me. So if I, I get like a one word text, you know, it might be a, you know, an eight or, or it might be a three or something like that. If I get six paragraph text, it's probably a four <laughs> with not only the four paragraph text. It's usually coming with, you know, emojis, pictures, links, other stuff. And I'm like, you know, I think this person is a four, creative, express. They just want to express everything to me. And I feel badly because when I return the text, <laughs> it's not like I just want to see, you know, I want to send you an emoji, but I'm like, they just spent so much work. Okay. So, text. so here's a strategy that's going to give it away when you do it, but it's a good strategy. Trust me. I know this one. So it's just funny that you said that because I, I, I see the expression digitally now. But here, here's a way for you to um, to address that, because if you give a one word text, you might as well send them the emoji of the bird. Right. <laughs> because that's all they hear. <laughs> I, I was going to ask you about this because I, I, I got one recently. It, you you I, could send a smiley face emoji and it still comes across as the favorite. Right. Right. I was like, how much do I have to? That's what I drive to. How much do I have to send back? So, so, so here's what you do, brother. Them. Trust me. This is I'm I'm coming up on 24 years of marriage, and <laughs> and so I predate uh, the emoji thing. But I learned once we had emojis, don't bother with the emoji. Don't bother with the text. What you do is that's why God made that microphone button, and oh. you 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 do a little voice thing, honey. If you're listening to me, sorry, giving away my strategy. She doesn't actually. The good news is she doesn't listen to my podcast. Um. So I hit the microphone and I say, that was such a beautiful text. I can't even do justice to it with text. 
I love you. Now you might want to leave out the I love you if it's a client, but nonetheless, you get the point, right? It's well, deeper. It is. But that was the funniest thing that I've come across that because you taught me about different. Now I'm weak in the nine and the four, hence I, you know, at least according to the, the test, which makes sense for what I do and my personality. So I've been with your encouragement and heightened to to learn more and try to be more sensitive to it. So I get the text now. I I forced myself to do a two-line return and I wanted to do just an emoji. I'm telling you. I, was like, I, I still felt deficient. So this is a great idea. The voice, the voice thing is rich. They feel seen. Yeah. See, fours, I mean, understandably, they want to be seen as unique or special because they are, they have so much depth. They just want to express it. I, I had a I had a client who um would used to call me and she would talk for 20, 30 minutes uninterrupted. Like uninterrupted. I love the point when you look at the slide and the people who aren't there, you know, and listening by podcast, it says expression on the top that I love how you express that for lack of a better uh, pun. It really is. It's an expression. They're trying to express it. And they're, they're so, they're powerful people. They're very um, deep in the sense of you feel, you can feel the four deeply. So I had a four once say to me, it's like, remember, remember when Alex or Lizzie was in their crib really little and you would look at their little toes and on the littlest toe, there was a little toenail and that little toenail was so unbelievably miraculous and it brought you to tears. Like you, I'm sure we've all had one of those moments. That's how they live their life. Everything is that magic, mystery, ineffable. Wow. Imagine that's like drinking from the fire hose of spirituality i don't know no and they I, tell me they, they feel things deeper than certainly i as a three who now they don't feel much you already told i'm the least feeling person on earth wait wait wait. the self-preservation three is the least feeling person yes on the i'm earth. the least feeling person on earth so that explains a lot to you know anyone who's been you know married dated or who you know is friends with me so <laughs> now, you, now you know. Apparently, I'm I'm not as expressive. But the fours, I think, are they the most expressive? By far, there's not even okay. a close second. Yeah. So how am I? How is a three next to a four? Yin yang is mathematics. There's always right. a positive and a negative. That's why how is an eight and a nine the hardest and the softest, right? Yeah. Um, so that's it's. So a, I'm getting to love the fours now that I see what they are because I'm like, wow, this is the complete opposite of what I do, and it's it's yes. it's, it's, it's it's powerful. And but how do they satisfy themselves from a Y perspective? They're, they're, the inputs to their world have to be overwhelming. They so have to be overwhelmed all the time. Well, I mean, to be serious for a second, fours probably have the highest rate of suicide. If you look at like um, artists, if you name the artists who've taken their lives, Kurt Cobain and uh, Janis Joplin. Yeah. I mean, like the list goes on. They're all fours and there's a tortured artist in there. So, so their work is to have to learn how to express and be okay knowing that none of us will ever be able to fully express the essence of who we are, mm -hmm. not in this lifetime. Okay. Right. And and they need, and by the way, all of the fours listening, you need a three in your life to create some of that structure, to create the goals that are measurable. And, you know, Michael needs you. So good, good pairing right there. Mr. Spock, Mr. Spock was a three, I'm guessing. Um, I think he was a five. Five, okay. Right, much more cerebral. That's true. So that's, that's a good segue, good segue. Right. So um, the five, the investigator, again, Warren Buffett, um, Dr. Spock, 
These are people that operate at a higher level where fours operate at the highest level emotionally, fives operate at the highest level mentally. So they're both equally complex and sophisticated and nuanced. We can't understand fours and fives if, if we're not one of them. That's why they're at the bottom of the Enneagram. Four plus five equals nine. There's this depth and darkness to a four and a five of complexity that none of the others have. But a five is illumination at their best. Again, this Buffett documentary reminded me of that. All they want to do is share this light, right? At their best. I mean, of course, we all have our reactive side. But when they're responding, they just want to illuminate the darkness for others. Wow. So it's beautiful. It's it's profound. When you're around a five who really, they, they like, they're so insightful. I mean, I think that's why I call them the Oracle of Omaha, right? He, hmm. so people like that bring light to difficult times. So fives, fives are the hardest are, to talk about. Yeah, you know, fives that aren't as illuminated. What are, what are the, when you have a five who isn't as integrated, how do they sort of manifest? Um, so they are... They still have the light, but they won't open the shades of their home. So they keep the light to themselves. Whereas a responsive five, you know, somebody's doing the work, wants to open the windows, invite you in. But a reactive five will want to close the windows, you know, create a moat, put alligators in the moat, draw the drawbridge, and retreat into the castle. Okay. So there's a hoarding quality to an unhealthy five. And you can feel them like not wanting to give anything and and they they tend to be cheap too when when they're reactive they they withhold everything emotion money time energy you can't get to a five that's reactive but a five that's responsive they will illuminate your your life so all right enneagram six devotion the loyalist this is a picture of uh, apollo in a little uh, service outfit i think actually <laughs> It does look like a little golden retriever, doesn't it? Or lab. So sixes, third, again, this is all of these are the core calling. Before you get into all the shit of life and the fears and the, this is our deepest drive, our longing. And for sixes, it's to I will protect, I will belong, I will serve. There is a, there's a service or a duty quality to a six that you can just feel when you're with a healthy six. Devotion, devoted. Anything on the six or should we move on? I think, I think you've summarized that well for a six. Enneagram seven, um, liberation. I'm, I'm really trying to help defy some of these stereotypes because, you know, it'd be too easy to put on their fun, freedom, all of these things, but that's shallow. I mean, we all have our shallow side of our Enneagram type, but at the core calling, the sevens I meet, they're liberators. So what does that mean? When, when they want to, you know, sevens want to have fun and they want to experience life and they want to do everything, but it's not coming from a place of shallowness. It's coming from a place that, you know, we, we have X amount of time here, live, you know, embrace life fully, drink from the fountain of, of joy, pure joy and ecstasy. And so at their deepest level, sevens really want to liberate themselves and, and others from, from fear and, and negativity. I know I you. It's, mm -hmm. it's a little harder for sevens to maybe find their why because they're they're they're, fo they're focused on that liberation in the so experience itself. I, I would think it might be tougher for them to identify that. 
So, so if they're not doing the work right and they get caught up, this is why they get, they're called their, their passion is called gluttony, right? Because mm -hmm. they become stuck in the easy ways to quote unquote liberate, you know, like the high or the, the buzz, the fun, but that's cheap. That's easy. Can you, can you find it deeper? Right. The deepest level. I, you know, I think of, we've talked about before, but I think of Vladimir Zelensky, like he's a seven. And I think 10 years ago, he was a different seven. Now he's a seven. He's a liberator, right? This is profound. He's harnessed it. I, I think of um, Jim Carrey, right? He's a serious man now. He is not a joke anymore. He was a joke. He was a jokester. He was a comedian. Now he's a philosopher and a truth teller. Like he's really living his liberation. So sevens yeah. are surprising. Yeah, it is. It's Tale of Two Cities on, on yeah. seven. <laughs> totally. Totally. So we're, you know, we're getting back to the core calling, your core why, and and really respecting you sevens, all of you, um, for what you're really here to do. And hopefully this gets you back to your, your core purpose. All right, two more, and then we got to wrap up. So eights, the one that, um, you know, Michael's scared of awakening within me at 3 a.m. when I disrupt his life with more Enneagram slides. Eight, the challenger. I put here salvation, pretty bold and big, but I think eights are pretty bold and big. Yesterday was Martin Luther King Day. I believe he was an eight. I believe salvation sums up why we respect the man. He came here to save, right, at a very profound level, maybe save us from ourselves. Not, not without flaws, not without, you know, imperfections, eight struggle, but they're called to defend, to disrupt, and to save. Yeah, I mean, eight, so you meet an eight, you know it, and... I would think that if they can figure out their why they're on a path of, like you said, um, indestructibility, they, they will not quit until at least what I've learned when I watch you, you know, they never quit. They're merciless towards, towards accomplishing what they need to accomplish. Hopefully they know what their ultimate why is. So they're, like you said, on, on the right path. And if they don't, you know, they can be used for the bad. I mean, you look at lots of the world's tyrants were eights, you know, Hussein, Saddam Hussein and uh, Milosevic and um, Fidel Castro. I mean, you know, they named some bad actors, right, who who disrupted in a very bad way. Right. So it depends right. how you use that that energy. Um, yeah, but for sure. Steve Jobs was an eight. He said, we're here to put a dent in the universe, right? That's a very eightish stance in life. Yeah, they I say have have very lofty, lofty approaches and goals. So we have to soften like our neighbor, which is the segue, the nine, yin and yin and yang. So the nine, the exact opposite energy at the very top of the Enneagram, because it's like this pinnacle experience, the peacemaker. And the core calling for peacemaker is unification. I will comfort, harmonize, and unify. What's your experience of nines? You know, as, as you've helped me do nines in my life, I've realized I have more nines than I thought. I have more I have ones and nines, but nines are, are the people who want to harmonize. And that kind of like the twos in many ways is their why. They just want to have a harmony and equilibrium. It's, it's almost easy to identify, but they can be very... Um, ironically tough people 
to deal with because you just don't know where they stand on things. So yeah, why is harmony, but you know, the, the tactics and, and understanding how they're going to get there. You, you might not know it's, it can, it can be a mystery. Yeah. And they can lose themselves like twos. You said they're like twos because they are um, twos will lose themselves to relationship. Nines will lose themselves to, you know, peace because peace unto itself isn't good. If peace only is a facade and your peace is coming or creating peace is coming at the expense of you giving up who you are and your needs and your wants and you're getting walked on. That's not peace. That's just a thin version of peace. So nines have to make a stand and become more disruptive like the like the eights, frankly. But it's coming from a good place. Yeah, well, that's great. This is an amazing slide because it, as, as people ask, how do you find your why or the power of why, this gives you a little bit of a roadmap to say, here's your core. Mm -hmm. Now, you know, take, take this piece of it, whether it's your salvation, unification, your actualization, and and modify that a little bit to customize it for yourself as to what that means to you. So you've, you've given, this is a compass. It literally is a compass for, for each person now. Yeah, this is a good entry. And if you don't know your Enneagram type, this you just take this slide and listen to this podcast and really just listen, intuition to which one is calling you most. You can also do an Enneagram assessment through Michael and I. Um, you can jump in. I have a free ebook now. You can jump over to defiantspirit.org. Nine Enneagram types walk into a bar. It's kind of fun. Um, and so there's different ways to find it, but just find it, right? Because this can be transformative uh, in your life. So any final words, my brother? No, your, your ebook is fantastic. I, I mean, it, it really is remarkable. I would encourage everyone to get to get the ebook, it's printed out in my in back of me in my non-virtual matrix world here. Thank you, man. And uh, yeah, it's like 16 pages of of uh, deep data, interesting information, pictures. Uh, for you know, it's like paint by numbers. It's it's really amazing, well written, well done, and and and, and helpful. And I, I think that's the key thing. Go to, you know defiantspirit.org. I know you've also update, been updating the website um, as well. Take your, I encourage everyone to take your initial Enneagram test that you, you know you offer. Thanks for saying we, but B does all the work here. I just, I'm, a, I'm an interloper helping out a little bit, but do, do the test. That That is the best gift you can give yourself for self-care. I, I agree. Thank you. And, you know, it really is um, a labor of love and a partnership for any of uh, Michael's listeners. Take the Enneagram test and we can utilize it to help you better, um, you know, craft your, your financial portfolio. I was just talking to somebody who's looking for a financial planner. And when I told them about Michael and his interest and passion around the Enneagram, like they perked up because it's a new way to be seen and to communicate. And so I think it's amazing you're utilizing it in your work too. Good stuff, my friend. Yeah, well, thank you for you know including me on on the on the short version of everything. It's a pleasure, and we will just continue on our journey together. So, thanks everybody for listening, and we'll talk to you the next podcast. Until then, defy your number and live your spirit. Take care, Mike. Okay, you too, B. 
Thank you for listening to the Defiant Spirit podcast with me, your host, Dr. Baruch Halevi. The Defiant Spirit is an offering of Soul Center to Center for Spirituality, Meaning, and Healing. And if you'd like to learn more about the Defiant Spirit or Soul Center, get more inspirational content, access to a variety of online programs, or see how we might work together to discover deeper meaning in your life, greater purpose for your life, or live the Defiant Spirit power within your life, visit defiantspirit.org. Until then, keep living your defiant